Hey everyone, welcome to this week's message from Greenville Vineyard. We're the second in a short series this week where we're talking about being heroic, heroic in the kingdom of God. And today's message is entitled The Hero's Compass. So we're basically looking at this larger story of God has this big story of redemption that he's inviting each of us into. And he's inviting each of us to be kingdom heroes, people who advance his kingdom, uh, who go out and do amazing things. In the in the vineyard, we call it being naturally supernatural, led by God into his world to bring his purposes to being. And as we've been talking about it last week, we we're talking about, you know, the challenge to say yes to God. And if you say yes to God, you know, the next question is, is figuring out how to get stuff done. And so that throws up this whole thing of, well, we're going to need help, aren't we? We're going to need help in a number of ways. Uh, Most importantly, we're going to need help in direction. Uh, You and I are going to need to know where to go, what to do, and how to go about it. In a sense, we're going to need a spiritual compass. We, you know, just as you, as they used to do back in the day when they used to go exploring and even now if you go do orienteering and you're making your way through the woods or whatever, whatever, it's good to know how to use a compass. It's good to know how to use a map so that you can position yourself and, and figure out which direction you need to go. And it's the same with a spiritual life. If you're going to say yes to God, if you're going to go out and, and, and advance his kingdom, you're going to have to know where to go. You're going to have to know how to go about it. And there's there's a, there's a number of different ways to go about that. Obviously, there's knowing scripture. There's the spiritual practices. But today, I want to really touch on being led by the Holy Spirit. That's kind of where I really want to go to, is that first and foremost, the follower of Jesus is going to need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and learn to be sensitive to that voice in his mind, her mind, and his heart, and her heart. And so today, I really want to kind of press into that, kind of considering how the the compass of the spiritual life is really found in submission to God, in the infilling of the Holy Spirit and seeking God and listening to that voice and stepping out in faith, even when it looks a little scary. So pray with me before we get into our reading from Acts chapter 10 today. Father in heaven, thank you that you've invited us into this journey. Help us to throw ourselves into it fully. Strengthen us, guide us, give us all that we need to do all that you've asked us to do. In the same way, guide my my words this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to start at verse 1 in Acts 20 and we'll take it from there. And it says this. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was, he was a devout, God-fearing man, and was, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your, pe- your prayers and your gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. 
Soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up Peter, kill and eat them. No Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure and unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times, then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could this vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was was puzzling over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, Three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. So what happens is he gets up, he heads downstairs, and then he goes off to to uh, to, to Cornelius with these guys. And he gets there, and he realizes that it's Cornelius, but he still goes into the house, even though it's not Jewish custom. And as he walks in, he begins talking to them and sharing and, and sharing the gospel with them. All right. And so we take it up from here as he's getting towards the end of his message. He says this to them. He commanded us to preach to the people and testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testify about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on Gentiles. This vision of Peter is coming to pass. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Then Peter said, Surely no one can stand in the way of their being baptized with water. They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered that they be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. So today I just kind of want to touch on a couple of things, short word from me, from me today. And it's this, you know, God has given us his spirit for a number of reasons. And there's a few of them that I want to focus on today that kind of line up with this compass direction. Because if you want to be God's hero in life, you have to go in his direction. You can't just say, I'm going to do stuff for God and go and do it out in your own strength. It doesn't work that way. The Lord wants you to partner with what he's doing and Figuring out what he's doing, what the father's doing in your family, your neighborhood, your city, your area of influence, requires that you become sensitive to the Holy Spirit. That you allow him to open your eyes to see what he wants you to see. To open your ears to hear what he wants you to hear. And so, first and foremost, we have to begin to understand that the Holy Spirit is our sender. And we want to learn to be sent people. Because he is the one that directs us into the fullness of life. He is the one that leads us to change how we're living, first and foremost, into a way that is pleasing to the Lord. 
But as well as that, he leads us to become the ones who take life to others. So in the story, we see it quite clearly. There's this guy, Cornelius. He's a good guy. He fears God. He's giving to the poor. He's praying. And he's seeking the Lord. And so God says, okay, this is going to be the first Gentile that is going to be an is going to be brought into this new covenant that Jesus has come and formed on the earth. And so Peter, at that point, he's leading this this early church, but it's mostly all Jews at this point in time. He's the leader, and he's not even thinking about going out to the Gentiles. He's just focused on what he is doing. And so he's he's at, at his buddy Simon's place. He goes up, as you heard in the story, he's doing his prayers, and God begins to shock him. Uh, he shocks him by telling him to do something that Jewish people aren't supposed to do, you know. And if you know anything about the Old Testament Jewish law, it, it, it was in three main categories. Uh, there was kind of, you know, the law that you just had to obey. Then there was laws that separated you from the Gentiles. And these laws that separated you from the Gentiles were just so that it would make Jews distinctive. And so when the sheet comes down from heaven and God says to to Peter, kill and eat. All the animals in the sheet are the animals that the Gentiles eat, not, not the, what the Jews eat. And so Peter's like, I'm not going to eat what the Gentiles eat because it's unclean. And then God takes the thing away and says, no, don't, don't call anything unclean that I've made clean. And so it, it's a sign to Peter that this new covenant has, has taken those laws of separation and has blown them out the water because God's forming a new people. He's inviting the Gentiles into his family. He's inviting them in to be his people. And so those laws of separation are getting kind of, in a sense, thrown out because now there's a, there's, a, there's a new marker of distinctiveness. It used to be the distinctive marker for the Jews was circumcision and how they ate and other little things that they did. Now those markers are replaced by being in Christ Jesus. right? So Peter is slowly but surely being taught this. And so what happens is, as he's kind of wondering about this thing, what is going on, he hears the Holy Spirit say to him, hey, there's some guys here. Go with them because I've sent them. So now God has shaken his paradigm a little so that when he goes and he gets to this house of pagans, which he's not supposed to enter, by the way. He's not even supposed to go into the Cornelius' house. Once he gets there, the whole sheet thing, you know, coming down from heaven is sitting in his mind. He's like, I think I need to go in this house because something, something different is happening here. And so Peter knew the Holy Spirit as his sender. And as well as that, while he's being sent, while he's going out, while he's doing what God wants him to do, he is allowing the Holy Spirit to guide him through murky waters. So the Holy Spirit is our guide through murky waters. What do I mean by that? Well, what I mean is this, there's a lot of gray areas in life. You know, when you're young and you're like super fired up for God, everything seemed black and white. But, you know, as you begin to follow God and, and move through life, you begin to encounter gray areas. You're like, I'm not sure what God wants me to do here because I could go this way or I could go this way and I'm not sure which way is the right way to go. Or you encounter somebody that is living in a way that's very difficult for you to comprehend and you're not sure about as they want to draw nearer to Jesus, what do you challenge or what do you not challenge? And so you really need the, the guidance of the Holy Spirit in how to interact with that person, how to have relationship with that person. You're in a really murky place. And so as well as having the Holy Spirit as your sender, you need your Holy Spirit to be um, the guide as to how, to how to deal with difficult situations. 
And so this is what Peter's facing. Peter's going to face a difficult situation. He's being sent to somebody that he thinks has no hope of being part of God's people. right? And so as he's going to that person, God is beginning to shake his paradigms and beginning to guide him through the murky waters, beginning, beginning to tell him that, hey, what you used to think was unclean can actually be made clean in Jesus Christ. And so... He's challenging Peter in the way he sees things, in the way he looks at the lost. And so, you know, what is it for us? You know, it's about how we how we interact with people who believe differently to us on politics. It's 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 how we interact with people who are living sinful lives. Yes, if they come to Jesus, you know, the sin is eventually going to be dealt with. But does everything have to be dealt with right now? Or do we need to be coaching them about loving Jesus? And, you know, discipling people is actually quite challenging. There's a lot of murky waters in discipling people, especially people who know nothing about the gospel, who know nothing about the Bible. There's so much in their lives that needs to change when they come to Jesus. And it's just impossible for everything to change in one go. So sometimes you have to work work really hard at praying and being sensitive to the Spirit to know how to disciple this person. What what needs to change now? What can we let go for the time being? You know, that's what I mean by walking through murky waters. And all of us Christians need to go through that. You know, even you, as, if you're a parent and you've got teenagers, you know that as well. Which battles do you need to fight and which ones do you need to let go for the moment? And sometimes you just, you know, that's the one place that you probably need the Holy Spirit more than any other is in parenting kids because you're like, there's so much that I need to teach them. There's so much that I need to challenge them on. And I just, there's not enough hours in the day and there's not enough energy in me to do that. So Holy Spirit, what what do I need to challenge now? What do I need to focus on in the life of this child? So I can be a disciple as well as a parent, you know, going through the murky waters. That requires a lot of prayer, requires a lot of guidance, or requires a lot of sensitivity on your part in seeking God to do those things. And then finally, the last point is, is this whole aspect of the Holy Spirit being our compass is he's also the one who gives us the boldness, gives us the, the strength, the power he, to, to take the next step that we need to, to, to take. Because sometimes it's scary to step out in obedience. And so this is where we see the Holy Spirit encouraging Peter as well. Hey, don't be afraid. I've sent these guys. Go. And then as well as that, when Peter's preaching to them, he hasn't even got to the point what we call you know, if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're watching today, we, we call this thing at the end of our meetings or the end of our message, we call it the altar call, right? Basically, your time to respond. Um, you know, the challenge, hey, are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to submit your life now? Um, you know, I'll even do a little bit of that at the end of this message, where you say to people, look, lay down whatever it is that's getting in the way of you following Jesus. And Peter hasn't even got to that point yet. He's still telling them the gospel. He's still telling them the story about Jesus. But they've already believed it in their hearts. And the Holy Spirit falls on them, fills them with power. And they start speaking in tongues, an angelic language. And Peter and his friends are amazed. They're like, wow, look at this. God has given them the Holy Spirit just like he's given to us. And they're not even Jewish. They're not even circumcised. They're still eating pork. You know, all this kind of stuff just blows their minds. What does this mean? Well, what does it mean? God has made them clean because they've put their faith in Jesus and he's filled them with the Holy Spirit. Their sins are forgiven. They're new creations. They're part of God's people. They didn't have to do all that that, that separation stuff. They're, they are in because they're in Christ. And in this moment, Peter needs something. He needs an empowering. 
He needs a boldness that only God can give. He needed the boldness to go there in the first place. And in this moment, when he sees him full of the Spirit, he needs the boldness to do something. He needs the boldness to accept them into the church. Now, back in Jerusalem, there's going to be a lot of people there that when they find out what Peter's about to do right now, they're going to be really upset about it. Because they're still the rule followers. They're still trying to keep everything separate. They're still trying to keep the pagans out. And Peter goes, the Holy Spirit's fallen on them. What's to stop us with baptizing them in water? Now, if you're in a more modern type of environment, denomination, you'll think, oh, what's the big deal with baptism? Well, sometimes we don't teach about it enough. Baptism is really serious. It's, it is, it is as well as the physical sign of dying to Christ and coming up to new life and it being a public sign and a declaration, there's a deep spiritual significance in what you do when you baptize somebody. Early church understood that. And so Peter orders that these uncircumcised, pork-eating people who have just been filled with the Spirit be baptized. Why? Because God has accepted them. Because they're in Christ and everything is now clean. Everything is new. And so he orders that baptism. And he, and he needs God's boldness to do it. Because when he gets back home to Jerusalem, people, and you, if you go carry on reading in Acts, people turn around and go, what have you done? What have you done? And so... Uh, he steps out and he does the right thing. He baptizes them. He brings them into the family of God. And then they'll begin to disciple them and teach them what it, what it means to follow Jesus. Which, you know, Cornelius probably was doing a lot of that anyway because he already was a God-fearer. But it lays down the ground for when they do go out into the pagan world and hit places like Corinth, Thessalonica, and, 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 and Athens when they start converting people who know nothing about Jesus and their living lives that are just totally wild. And um, they have to deal with a whole bunch of stuff there. And so that's it, laying, coming down, you know. As you're going to step out and partner with God, you're going to have to be heroic. You're going to have to be sensitive to his, his leading and, and, and be willing to be sent to places that you might not necessarily want to go. Um, you're going to need his guidance when things get murky and you have to make some decisions that you're not sure which, which is the right way to go, left or right. And then you're going to need his boldness. Uh, that, that boldness and that surety, hey, God has put his spirit on somebody and now I need to accept them in and I need to start discipling them and uh, moving their way. And sometimes, you know, who knows what that boldness is going to look like, going to an area where you know you're not going to be accepted, um, sharing sharing your faith with someone when you're not sure that they, they, they're, they're ready to receive it, whatever it is, you're going to need supernatural boldness to step into that hey let's uh, still our hearts and just invite that very holy spirit to come and rest on us right now um, i challenge you to open your heart and say lord would you send me or if you're in murky waters right now lord would you bring clarification or if you already know what god's asking you to do lord would you give me boldness to take the next step let's pray Father, thank you that you're with each one of us right now. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come and just fill the place where each one of us is? Would you give us guidance? Would you make things clear for us? Would you give us boldness? Talking about boldness, if you're someone that doesn't follow Jesus, if you're not a Christian, um, the Bible teaches that you're separate from God. Like right now, you you know, 
eternal separation from God, they call it hell. So right now that's, you know, that's kind of where you are at. And the Bible says that to be in God's family, the place that you were created to be, the only way to get in there is to go through Jesus, is to surrender your, your life to Jesus, to put your faith in Jesus, and to follow Jesus with your life. That means to follow him in what you choose to believe and to follow him in what you choose to actually do. And so if you do that, you get welcomed back into the family, you get given eternal purpose, you get invited to be part of God's redemptive work here on this earth, and you get forgiven for all the sins, everything wrong that you've done, you become a new person, a new creation. If that's something you want to do, I encourage you right now to pray your best prayer and submit yourself to the Lord. If you don't know what to pray, hang on. You'll see a number come up on the screen. Just text Jesus to that number and we'll send you a little prayer out to help you along your way. And thereafter that, get, get connected to a local church and they're going to help you begin to follow Jesus and walk with him. For the rest of you, as you continue to listen to God's guidance and God's spirit where you're at, let me pray this prayer of blessing over you before we go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. So be sensitive to God's voice this week. Uh, look for his direction and be bold and step out and do whatever it is he's leading you to do. Whether it's serving somebody, whether it's surrendering your life to Jesus right now. Whatever it is, do it. You won't regret it. Thanks for listening and catch you later.